All you have to do is look across Munfield to our basketball arena and you, you see how championships are made. Players play, tough players win. It's downtown, breaking with the basket up, and it's in! Defense by Michigan State is unreal right now. Dawson, out to Harris for a three ball, he got it! Check good, it's good! You're listening to Impact Sports Radio, and this is the Impact E-Zone, with your host, Andrew Hayes. Hello, and welcome to the Impact E-Zone. My name is Andrew Hayes. So sorry for neglecting you for this long. It's, uh, it's the off-season, and um, as much as I'd love to be able to talk about Spartan basketball, 365 days a year, it's, uh, you can only talk about it so much before people start to wonder if you're just grasping at filler. And uh, I try to avoid that. But uh, one of the big things, one of the main reasons that I hadn't put out a podcast until now, actually, um, was, and this is even a couple weeks late, uh, I was waiting to to find out about Russell Bird and Alex Gauna um, because that was one of the biggest question marks after this year. I think it was... um, Everybody pretty much knew um, Harris was going to go. I think that was assumed. Um, The Brandon Dawson thing was probably the next most pressing um, because, as I've said multiple times here, um, and as other people have said also, he doesn't. uh, His game is not ready for the NBA, um, in my opinion. Uh, So I I didn't think that was going to really turn into much. But I was interested to see, and it wasn't until after the season was over where I said, oh, that's right. Ghana and Bird kind of just disappeared this year. And that's not to say that they didn't play well. They had their moments. Um, But Alex Ghana went from being second behind Matt Costello to playing in garbage time with um, the Dan Chapmans and the the bench mob the the favorite guys my favorite guys um so when you looked at that and then just the fact that uh, Russell Bird just never I, I wrote a I wrote an article about these two leaving um, and I tried to make it as not calloused as possible because realistically the way that I wanted to write that article. Um, was to just say who cares because from a fan's point of view um that's not a big loss on the court anyway i mean um if you're a if you got a crush on russell bird or uh alex gonna then you'll be sad to see them no longer on the bench but um it's i i just couldn't get fired up about it um one way or the other, I think it was inevitable. I think it had to happen. And honestly, I'm happy for both of them because you know, and I know especially Russell Bird, you just watch his demeanor and it it was just very like, God, I'm, I just hope I don't have to disappoint anyone. And that's sad that that's, that that's where it got to because especially I think every single time we talk about Russell Bird, we bring up the fact that he was recruited by Kentucky. He was a fantastic high school basketball player, but just 
couldn't battle through injuries and and offset it, which is like I said, it's it's too bad on a personal level, and it's a shame. The one th- the one question that this really made me raise was, especially with Ghana, because Russell Bird was a little bit more, um, he was a little bit more snake bitten with all of the uh, with all the injuries and and just could not stay healthy. Um, but then once he did get in the game, he, you know, I said in the article, I was really hoping that the three pointer that he hit uh, against Iowa to ice the game would uh, would be the spark. And from there on out, it would be like uh, Austin Thornton when he just went on a tear in March, and that um, that Russ would just take off. But um, it never happened, and uh, I'm not sure why. Oh, by the way, should probably mention this in the middle of my uh, talking about people who will be missed. He's not gone forever. I phrased that wrong. But Blake is not with us this week or this podcast. Uh, it's summertime, so he is at home working a full-time job. Poor guy. Miss you, Blake. Um, anyway, back to our uh, leaving guys. Uh, Russell Bird is going to Masters College. That's the name of the school. It's a liberal arts school in California. Um, this is according to a Graham Couch article from uh, the Lansing State Journal slash uh, Detroit Free Press. I don't remember which one that ran through because um, I, I, they're owned by the same company. So they share sometimes. Um, but So he's going to Masters College. Uh, he's still going to play ball there. They're not an NCAA program um, the way that I heard it explained was uh, it's it's the equivalent to like a low Division One school, um, so a little bit less competition. And one of the quotes that I read once again in that Graham Couch article um, was that he was just happy to get away from the negativity, and that's really sad to hear when when you really think about it. Because, like I said, you you want to be able to separate the you know, what have you done for me lately is, is really the the question that, that a lot of people want to ask. But then at the same time, people forget to realize that these are humans and, you know, it's not easy to make a jump shot in front of the pack Breslin Center and and whatnot. So it's it's unfortunate. Um but what I was I want to go back to what I was trying to get to before with Alex Ghana. When Alex Ghana came in, I think he was a three-star recruit. Um, I talked to some people who watched him play in high school, and they said he he wasn't like a jump out of the you know jump out of your seat. Holy cow, that guy's going to go Division One! But he was big. He was a physical specimen, um, and I I want to know what happened with him. Because something must have gone wrong in his development, in my opinion. Either that or he just wasn't that good, which is possible. And there's nothing wrong with that. Some people just plateau at a certain point. And, um, but that was the one thing about Ghana is watching him play basketball was never a fluid thing. It, was never, it never looked second nature to him. It didn't have the same flow and... Um, effortlessness let's say of say a Shabazz Napier and obviously you know we're comparing a big man to a point guard so it's going to be a different game but just the way of knowing where to be on the court 
and knowing where your teammates are going to be and knowing what position you have to be in to um, make the most of your time on the court. And I think that was really the biggest thing was Ghana could come in for stretches and you would forget that he was on the court. And that's not something that you necessarily want unless it's a sneaky behind the scenes Brandon Dawson type. You forget he's on the court. Oh, shoot, he's piling up a double-double because um, he's working on the offensive boards and whatnot. But I don't know. Like I said, on a, and uh, Ghana is still going to be here at Michigan State. Uh, he's just retiring from basketball. Gonna get his, gonna finish up his degree. Um, you love that he's doing that. Um, good for him. But yeah, I just, I couldn't get fired up. Um, when I first heard the news, it was, it was like, oh, too bad for those guys. But from a team perspective, where were they gonna play? That's why that's why I'm that's why I'm most happy for them. Because you hate to see a guy who especially guys like that who came in expecting to see time, not you know, like the walk ons who are on the team because they want to be on the team and they enjoy being around basketball and I've been in that spot. Obviously not at a collegiate level, but there is something about that team atmosphere that you can't get anywhere else. And just being around that team is a privilege. Um, but for some people, that's not enough. And especially when you're the type of recruit that Russell Bird was, um, having that disappointment is tough to deal with. And so I, I really do wish them the best in what they do, and especially Russ going out to uh, to California to, uh, to keep playing ball out there. Hopefully that's a fresh start for him because um, – I read a, uh, read a tw- uh, yeah, tweet from uh, state news writer Matt Sheehan, and he goes, he said something about if you if you really want to know why, uh, or if you ever look at uh, Russell Bird's mentions after a basketball game, you'll understand why. Uh, on Twitter, if you look at the mentions, you'll understand why he transferred. Like it's a no-brainer. Um, kind of unbelievable that that's a real thing but it's understandable and you know people always say well just don't look at it but I really I really do think that besides the outside negativity I think Russ just needed a change of scenery and that's why I don't I don't feel bad for him I think it's it's kind of sad but at the same time they, there's new opportunities and and just got to go and make the most of it and uh like i said i wish them the best um going from guys that are leaving to guys that are coming in uh right now michigan state has three commits um two have signed that would be lou rawls nairn also known as tumtum and javon bess um the third one is Marvin Clark. He's committed, but he has not yet signed. Um, he actually just visited in March. Javon Best is a power forward. I haven't heard as much about him, um, but he committed in October. He's a six foot five, one hundred and eighty pound small forward. I think that's what I said, right? Yeah. Um, 65180 is very slim. 
That's super slim. That's uh, so. I I I sincerely hope that they can bulk him up, because having another, especially if he can shoot, having another six five physical jumping ability specimen um, would be huge uh, to get him in there and really the guy that you want him hanging around is Brandon Dawson because with that 6'5 frame if he fills it out a little bit more um, you're you're gonna want to you're gonna want to get him to have that same mentality um, especially if he does have a jump shot you want to get him Get him in that Brandon Dawson um, junkyard dog college, ball so hard university, if you will, um, because I I don't know that that he'll necessarily have a huge impact just to start. Just looking at his stats um, and his uh, and just his physical build, six five one eighty. That is. That is not a very big, not a very wide person, um, and you playing in playing in the Big Ten, better come with it. But very long, um, long arms on him. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's it's. I don't know. I have I have trouble. I have trouble talking about recruiting and recruits and and what they're going to do for a college team because. If you think about the number of high schools that there are, and then you think about the number of colleges that there are, which is there far fewer, and then you think about the fact that only the best high school basketball players are going to be playing for top programs like Michigan State, and then you think about the fact that those top players aren't usually playing with the other top players. I know there's a lot of AAU ball that goes on, but in terms of high schools and stuff like that, it's tough to look at numbers and really say, well, he put up this many points this year, so obviously he's going to be a stud. It's tough to call. Um, I am interested about Lou Rawls, though. Lou Rawls, Naren. Um, he's a four-star recruit, which is huge for Michigan State. Um, 73rd in the ESPN Top 100. Always like to get those guys. Um, he's from Bel Air, Kansas. 5'10", 170. Now, I love me some short guards. Love short guards. Because short guards are the ones who just don't care. Short guys always have that, tend to have that mentality of, yeah, I might be little, littler than you, but just see how bad I'm about to rip you apart, um, and that, I think that's 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 what I want in my players. That's what I want to be able to see is guys that go out there, um, and and they do work, and and they don't, and you know, uh, Keith Appling was that way until he really started having his wrist problems. Um, but yeah, just those little K- Kalen Lucas was that way. Um, he was he was just nasty. And who was the other one? Um, Travis Walton. 
he was fun to watch. The one that I always think of, though, the the one who's who was big last year, and I think he'll only get better, is DeAndre Matthew. He's listed at five nine, one sixty five. They say that he's probably closer to like five six. I was watching something on the Big Ten Network. I think about him and kind of just his short man, tough guy uh, attitude, and and that's what I want. That's what I think this team needs, and I think that's what they were missing at the end of last year was and obviously like I said we've never seen this kid in the green and white uniform so I could just be making all of this up but that's what I expect from this type of point guard a shorter he's supposed to be outrageously quick and you know get him and that's that's the beauty of this this freshman class is that they have some quality, quality people to learn from. You've got, um, I mean, you. I would love to sit in a room with Travis Trice and just pick his brain about basketball and see what he sees on the court because I think he's he's probably one of the smartest point guards that I've seen um, since maybe, I mean, Mateen kind of, but I don't remember that as much. Um, Kalen Lucas was pretty smart, but he was he was more physical and he could go to the hole. That's the thing about Travis Trice that I always think about is if he was if he was just a little bit, you know, bigger. And that's that's not to say like hit the weights, bro, but. I mean, some people just aren't made to be big, and I I don't think Trav is one of those. Um, but like I said, wicked smart, fantastic court sense, and that's the kind of guy that you want around your freshman. The kind of guy who will say, who can go to, and sit down to and watch a game film and say, "All right, here's what happened. Why did you make this decision? Here's what I would have done, and this is why." And and that's the stuff you want because as great as that is to have from coaches, to have it from players is really, I mean that's that's a whole different ball game. Um, the guy that's still waiting on to sign is Marvin Clark. He uh, power forward, Wichita, Kansas, six seven two twenty five. See now that's what I'm talking about right there. Now we're that's uh. That's Brandon Dawson's size, and that's the kind of guy that I want hanging around the baseline waiting for the unsuspecting Yogi Ferrells of the world to come through. Um, I don't know. Like I said, I, I really do. I wish – I know that there are some people, and I'm the same way for, like, the NFL draft and and really any of the – the first year player grabs, I find it all very difficult to talk about because the transition from one level to another is astronomical. And that I don't care if we're talking house league baseball to high school baseball. I don't care if we're talking um, major NCAA to NFL. It's it's all a big jump. 
because you're taking probably the top 1% of wherever you're currently competing in and you're playing against just that top 1%. And that's a completely different game. Um, it's uh, So it is. It's tough to call, and that's why the guys that get paid to do it, I think, have probably the best job in the world. It's almost like a weatherman. People expect you to be wrong, but when you're right, you're just the best ever. And you don't even have to be right that often. That's the beauty of it. But I'm expecting huge things from Lou Rawls. I don't know why. I haven't been able to put my finger on it yet. But something about his name, Lou Rawls Naren, is just an awesome name in general. Um, and I base a lot of uh, my decisions based on how awesome people's names are. For example... I loved Dexter McCluster when he was at Old Miss. Now I think he rides the bench for the Chiefs. So clearly that was not a great pick, but I still think Dexter McCluster, if put in the right system, I'm blaming it on Andy Reid. How about that? Um, let's see. What else do we have here? Um, looking at our NBA guys. Apparent. Okay, this one really bothered the heck out of me. Adrian Payne had had mono since, like, February. How did we miss that one, guys? So I'm Seriously, how do we miss that one? It seems like once Costello's got it, I'm testing every single person in that locker room once a week to make sure that nobody else has got it. But that explains so much. You know, everybody was saying, oh, Payne looks tired. He's got, looks winded all the time, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, he had mono. And on one hand, I mean, he did drop 45 in that first round game, but I think if he, if he didn't, somebody else would have. Um, it's, I, I want to know what happens if that's caught sooner because there's i mean it could it it could have gone one of two ways either he goes out and just cannot fight through it and they don't let him back on the court until after Michigan State loses in the NCAA tournament or he it's diagnosed he treats it he takes care of it comes back and blows the doors off the NCAA tourney. I don't know which one happens, but I find it not so good that when he goes to, it isn't until he goes, oh, excuse me. Oh, yikes, that was rude. Um, that once he goes to an NBA Tryout. That's when. That's when this comes out. And by the way, the NBA Combine could not have been more boring. I mean, it's not like a combine is really a fun thing to watch to begin with, but everybody's sitting out with bumps and bruises and ailments. Gary Harris didn't do a lot of the drills. Stauskas didn't do a lot of the drills. I think Smart didn't do a lot of the drills. What's the? Is is this why nobody watches the NBA Combine? Because everybody just like phones it in like, nah, you got my game tape. You know what's up. And I think that's a big part of it because honestly, everybody should. I, I think it's a lot more difficult. I mean, you can measure a guy's vertical and 
measures reach and all that, but most of the stuff you already know. I mean, you're just making sure that the team isn't lying. One thing that I did find interesting, and I never, I, I had heard about this, and I don't know if it's completely true or not, um, but apparently, I'm going to look this up just in case. Um, first of all, scouts, big fan of Gary Harris, and what's not to love? Oh, I take that back. I had heard somewhere that Gary Harris was measured two inches shorter than 6'4", which doesn't sound like a lot, but when you think about it, 6'4 versus 6'2", 6'4 just sounds a lot better. Um, I'm excited to see where Gary Harris goes. I think he'll be a late first rounder. This this draft class is just so stinking stacked. I mean, you you've got good picks all the way through the first round, I think. Um, I'm excited to see Adrian Payne. I read an article, it was in MLive, um, and uh, it talked about the fact that Adrian Payne kind of, he did something that's not very common in NCAA basketball, and he improved his draft stock his senior year that doesn't happen usually there's a slump senior year i don't know why guys are already looking forward to it um already looking forward to the uh um what you call it nba who knows but i think that's i hope brandon dawson sees what adrian payne did and says, I want that to be me, because I think he can. And I I just am, am waiting for the day when I can come on here and say, Brandon Dawson is a player that we knew he was going to be and have concrete proof of it. And that and every time I say that, I, I feel like I'm shortchanging him because the guy's a monster. He averages almost a double-double a game. He's an absolute workhorse. But the fact of the matter is, he and, he and Glenn Robinson are similar in that oftentimes they will just disappear and nobody knows where they went. And I don't know what the reason for that is. Um, you would assume that it's a mentality thing, but Brandon Dawson has, I mean, he's a tough guy. He's, he's not, it's kind of screwy. Um, one thing, oh, I want to talk about this Mitch McGarry thing because I don't think this had been addressed. This has been addressed since it came out. Mitch McGarry is going to go to the NBA uh, in order to avoid sitting out next year after testing positive for marijuana. There are so many different things to say about this. Um, first of all, the fact that um, some of the things that athletes can get away with in terms of being arrested and having legal um, legal issues. Um, they get caught out partying, um, all of that, and they might get one game off. But if a guy tests positive because he smoked some pot, he's out for the season, 
And that's not even a, a performance-enhancing drug. It's just, I mean, we're seeing it in the NFL now that, that the NFL is considering allowing it to, to, for players to use as pain, as a pain remedy. Now, I don't know if Mitch McGarry was using that for pain or recreation, but it is, I mean, it's silly. I think we're getting to the point where, I, I mean, you, you, I think anytime you have a poll like this, I mean, if, if we throw up a poll on the Impact Sports website and say, you know, if such and such a player on Michigan State gets caught with pot, do you actually care? The, I mean, I, I would assume that 80% or more are going to say no. And that's not just because it's college students. The stigma surrounding that drug is is completely different from what it used to be. Now, once we separate the fact that the rules are a little bit silly and uh, probably outdated, uh, and we just look at the fact that Mitch McGarry knew this rule, uh, knew he was probably going to be drug tested, and knew that that would probably screw up some of his future aspirations... Um, not smart, to say the least. To put it nicely, that was really, really not smart. We, I, I've talked to I've talked to players before, and obviously I'm not going to name names, partially because I don't know this uh, particular player's name. But you, you, you can you hear this from baseball guys too all the time that got caught. You have to be dumb to get caught. You have to you have to intentionally you just have to believe that you're above the system. You have to just be careless and and just not I mean not pay attention to to important things like hey, when are we getting drug tested next? Because they know. And even if they don't know the exact day, they know about when it's coming. So why why is this uh I mean just hold off man and I I had heard I had heard from uh, a friend of mine that uh from another one of his friends who's a TA at Michigan so there's there's my rock solid uh rock solid um sourcing but anyway i had heard uh and i think i had called this on one of the earlier podcasts i said he was going to go because i had heard um that at some point during uh last semester uh during ex- during during an exam he filled out a uh an exam and all he wrote on it was uh, none of this really matters because i'll be out of here in a month so Honestly, you know what? Maybe Mitch McGarry just had this in his plan anyway. Maybe he said, you know what? I'm not coming back, so who cares if I get caught smoking pot, doing whatever. Um, if is, I mean, if he didn't think that was going to affect his draft stock, if he didn't think that was going to affect uh, any of his uh, NBA aspirations, then yeah, hey, why not? If you're If you're not coming back anyway. But I think it looks bad for him to just be forced into it. And plus you've got... Here's my problem with Mitch McGarry. 
the sample size is minuscule for him. It's minuscule. And not to say, and I'm not saying like um, in the same way that it's minuscule for Jabari Parker or um, uh, Marcus Smart or not Marcus Smart stayed an extra year. Um, Andrew Wiggins, that's the other name I was looking for. I could picture the guy. Um, but that's, those guys did it for a whole season and they came in and they were, you know, let's see what these guys are going to do. And then they more or less did it. Mitch McGarry was good for about half a season, I think his freshman year. And after that, he was injured last year and then he can't play again this year because he was smoking drugs. So what if I'm an NBA scout, I'm going to say based on what I've seen, this guy might be okay. Based on what I've seen just on the court, this guy could be pretty good. Based on what I've seen off the court with his decision-making ability and um and lack of other court experience I don't take Mitch McGarry I and I'm not and once again whenever I talk about Michigan I always feel like I'm being a homer because some of the time I am but really on just objectively or no subjectively no objectively Get my my words mixed up. Objectively, I don't see the appeal to Mitch McGarry. I don't. Uh, I don't know if he can shoot. Honestly, I I don't remember how great his game was. And I think we've had some people come into the league with some nagging back problems that just never developed and never got over those back problems. And that's another thing that you have to worry about. It's not like he had a he had a blowout season his freshman year, then got caught for pot, and now he has to come go to the NBA. He had a good second half of his freshman year. He got hurt badly, sat out a season, and then got caught smoking pot. So what are we going to do with that? I mean, I feel like it's just a total shot in the dark, and that's that's really, I don't know. I don't see him being a first-rounder. If he goes in the second round, I would be shocked. Um, I just don't see that as a quality pick for an NBA team. And that's all there is to it. Um, I hope, I haven't heard much about Keith Appling and where his draft stock is. That's one that's going to stick with me for a while. I feel so bad for Keith Appling. I was rooting for that guy so hard. Um, wanted to see. I was excited to see how far he could rise up the draft boards. And then the injuries started happening. And that's the way it goes. It's uh, Like I said, it, it, it really was. It was sad to see. And, and I rooted for Keith. And, and I loved. I mean, when he was. When he was really rolling, I mean, early on in the year, when he was really in his in all of his Keith Appling glory, he was unbelievable to watch. 
absolutely unbelievable. On the defensive end, on the offensive end, his quickness and his ability to go to the hole, um, outstanding. I think best-case scenario for Keith Appling, and this rarely happens. You hope he's the kind of guy who can go over to Europe for a year or two, and then some NBA team will say, hey, I remember that that guy was at one point pretty darn good. But it's just uh, it's tough to... Tough to call those kind of things, but as always, always rooting for Keith, always rooting for any of the Sparties, but I said this when the uh, the NFL draft happened and only Darquez was picked up. I love my Sparties and I want to see him do well, but really, it's not that huge a deal if Michigan State guys aren't getting drafted. From a recruiting standpoint, that would be the only way. And just for, hey, look at that guy went to my school. You know who went to Michigan State? Kellen Davis. That's right. I'm going to call out Kellen Davis because Kellen Davis played for the Bears for four or five seasons, and he was just not a very good NFL tight end. And yet, he went to Michigan State. So whenever that came up, hey, that guy went to Michigan State. Oh, shoot, he dropped another pass. I don't, I'm not bitter anymore, though. Whatever. He won. He, Kellen Davis won a Super Bowl ring with the Seattle Seahawks. <sighs> okay. Back back at it. Uh, another, another thing that I've, that I've seen around, uh, and I was, I might still write an article about this, um, but people are looking... I mean, there's a slight possibility that uh, some ESPN guys were talking about assistants that could end up as head coaches. And uh, Dwayne Stevens and Dane Fife, both MSU assistants, um, were mentioned in this in this list. I'm not surprised. I I've I've said this before. Oftentimes during games. I will stop watching what's going on on the floor or I'll watch it with my peripherals while I just watch the bench because oftentimes there are four or five coaches standing and yelling at different guys, just yelling what they notice and and directing the game other than Izzo. And, you know, obviously Izzo can't see everything, so it's great to have that but having those guys that are that are forward enough and willing to you know jump up and even having a guy like Tom Izzo who has been you know doing what he's doing forever and at a very very high level um to have him to still to have the you know um chutzpah if you will to or just you know the wherewithal to to go and say, you know, not to mention it to coach, just jump up and yell it. And I mean, that's that's something that you got to do as an assistant anyway, or else nothing would get done. Um, but and you know, being under Tom Izzo's wing for, I think this is Fife's fourth year, 
third or fourth year, I want to say. Um, and Stevens has been, good God, how long has he been with Michigan State? He's been there a long time. Um, it's going to help having Tom Izzo around and saying, yeah, I worked under a guy who until this year never had a four-year player miss in a uh, miss a final four it's it's really uh it's really interesting and i almost i don't know you hate to lose assistance but at the same time that kind of shows what your coach is is doing um he's creating a system that's so good people are able to learn from that and then and I mean that's one thing that guys pride themselves on all the time is that that coaching tree that develops and seeing you know how how guys go from one from learning under one coach you know coach K's one example Jim Calhoun with Kevin Holly um that's another example by the way I think I've said this before but I've been watching some more stuff um Coach Ollie was on the Dan Patrick program and, and a couple other things. And the way that he handles himself uh, is outstanding. And he, he reminds me of Tom Izzo a lot in the way that they both love where they are. And, you know, Tom Izzo always says, I, I'll never say no to the NBA. I don't see. I don't understand the situation in which Tom Izzo would go to the NBA. And people were like, oh, this year he could do it. Why? Why would you want to go to the NBA and lose, especially for guys like Tom Izzo, who are so intense and need things and you know, as much as a person can complain about having to do the recruiting and the travel and blah, 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 as an NCAA head coach, you pretty much have complete control. You are the head coach, you're the GM, you're the president of basketball operations. You are the guy making decisions. But you go to the NBA and you lose that. And not a lot of guys have a successful jump from the NBA or from the NCAA to the NBA. Um, Larry Brown, I think, is probably the number one name that jumps into my mind uh, when it comes to having success in both. But Larry Brown is probably top five coaches of all time. So you can kind of consider him an anomaly, really. Uh, Rick Patino has tried a couple times, hasn't worked out. Um, and you know, but yeah, Kevin Ollie and, and Tom Izzo were both in they were both mentioned, I think is is the way that it's supposed to be put. Their names were mentioned in in uh in talks with with NBA teams. Um obviously both of them declined. Ollie actually signed an extension with um with UConn. But I I don't know. Love Kevin Ollie though. It's just he uh, he loves UConn, and that's that's really what I like to see from a coach. When a coach doesn't see a school as an employer, 
he sees it as his community and somewhere that he needs to build up and uh, make better and uh, try to make a difference. And that's why I like Tom Izzo and that's why I like Kevin Ollie because both of them, they, like in, in Mark D'Antonio's words, it's not a stop, it's a destination. This is, this is where people want to be. This is, this is the spot. You know, not, not you're here for now and then you'll move on to better things. There's not too many things better than Michigan State in my mind, in Tom Izzo's mind, and I think Kevin Ollie would make the same argument about UConn. Um, but from an assistant coach's standpoint, I'm taking a head coaching job. Every single day of the week and twice on Sunday. Because that's that's your I mean that's your dream. If you go into coaching, you eventually want to be coaching your own team. Unless you really are just that type of supportive individual who just likes to specialize in one thing and do that one thing really well and let somebody else direct traffic. Um, but I could definitely see one, if not both, of those guys leaving at some point in the next couple of years just because the amount of, I mean, the, the turnover rate, and I don't just mean on the court, for college basketball is outrageous. I mean, it's not as bad as some of the, uh, I think the NFL is probably the worst, but it's, uh, it'll, and it will be, it'll be too bad to see them go because I know, uh, especially Coach Stevens, I've I've heard a lot of the players talk about the kind of work that he does with them, um, especially Brandon Dawson, I know, uh, has done a lot of work with him, same with Adrian Payne, just good, good coaches. I got to see if I can get, get some of them on, um, the last thing that I want, or actually, we're, I'm going to talk about two more things before we get out of here. Um, first of all, Brandon Dawson was ranked one of the best rebounders in the Big Ten, and uh, Denzel Valentine was rated one of the best passers in the Big Ten. Um, duh. <laughs> okay, Aaron Kraft... Who else? That's it for passers. That's all I got. And for best rebounders, like I said, Brandon Dawson, he averaged like eight boards a game, more than eight boards a game last year. And he's only six foot six. So that would make him a pretty good rebounder. Even if you separate, I mean, you're grabbing close to nine boards a game. You're six foot six in the Big Ten. That is something to be said when you're playing against monsters like Frank Kaminsky and whatnot. Um, so I'm going to take the last couple minutes here to talk about um, the NBA playoffs uh, because they start tonight. And I'm really excited if the Miami. Okay. Can we just can we get this out of the way? Can we stop talking about LeBron's legacy until LeBron is done making his legacy? I understand that the guy's good. He is right now. He is the best player in basketball right now. And physically, he is the best. He's ugh. 
I can't even say that. LeBron James is a once-in-a-generation type of player. That's what I'm going to go with. He's unbelievable to watch play basketball. Insufferable to tolerate off the court. I can't stand the man. But on the court, what he does, you can't not respect it. Because if you don't respect it, then you don't respect good basketball. Because the guy is unbelievable to watch. And especially with what he did to Lance Stevenson, that's something that anybody in any sport can learn from. Because Lance Stevenson was the biggest MFer I have ever seen in an NBA basketball. Not ever seen, but in today's day and age, that you don't see that anymore. And everybody wants to blame Lance Stevenson for that loss. Indiana was losing that series no matter what. That guy's grab that guy's grasping at anything to try to get his team going. And unfortunately, they have a seven foot two big man who can somehow go scoreless in six out of twenty five games. That's disgusting. Anyway. If the Heat win this series, the finals against San Antonio, which I don't think they will, I will not touch the ESPN for like a week. And even then it's still going to be going on. Here's my problem. We're beating a dead horse at this point. We're trying, we're, we are overdoing it to the point where people can't just appreciate what he does anymore because the media is making me hate that. 